Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome in episode 71 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Yeah, how would that roll in the R on the intro? Spice it up a little, Coomzy. Here's the thing that I was going to try and start doing, and I thought about doing this at 69 because I think they've only ever had one guy to wear the number, and it was Tommy Malone last year. Ah. I want to ask you who your favorite guy is that wore the number of the episode that we're on. Oh, so who's your favorite? Try and brainstorm a 71. I'm just Googling right now because I'm not prepared. How? I'm never never prepared, but I'm looking (laughs) for a good 71 here. Um, Okay. There's, there's two. Oh, wow. And they're actually both recent. One was 2018. One was 2019. And are they guys I should know? Um, no, I I actually don't (laughs) remember. I don't remember the one guy. Okay. So I'm I'm not, I'm not going to make you guess. The first one in 2018 was Luis Santos. I don't remember this guy at all. I don't know who that is. Might've been a reliever. 2018 Blue Jays are not particularly memorable. And then the other one is 2019 TJ Zoic wore that number in his debut. Now that's a name you can't forget. That's a name. This is a Toronto Blue Jays first round pick TJ Zoic. There you go. That's Episode probably my 71. favorite number 71. I, I think I'd consider myself more of a TJ Zoic fan than a Luis Santos fan personally. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you for that either. A lot of people though do say TJ Zoic is the 2019 Luis Santos. They like to draw that comparable. I've heard the argument made before. Interesting. Promo code BJNPODDD gets first-time users of the DoorDash app 25% off and no delivery fees. So there you go. That's usually how we start the podcast. Uh, <laughs> We are Coombs. You're in Edmonton now, but we're not doing this together, which makes me a little sad, but we just, our schedules didn't gel today. Unfortunate. Yeah. The problem was, is that I flew to Toronto at 10 AM and I had two Guinnesses before the flight. And then I had a beer on the flight because I don't like flying. So I usually have to have a few beverages to get me through it. Mm. And then I got home and I felt like I was hungover at two in the afternoon. So I fell asleep and I woke up to catch the last little bit of the, of today's Jays game. Perfect. Well, let's break it down and let me fill you in on what you missed. We're starting with the ups in three up, three down today. And the biggest one is from the biggest man. And that is Alec Manoa himself. Coomzy, while you were fast asleep, this guy carved the Red Sox lineup. He had them walking to the dugout before the ump was even ringing them up. He goes seven strong, allows three hits, only walks one and strikes out seven. A couple of weeks ago, you made the bold claim that Alec Manoa was the ace of this team staff, and he has done nothing but make you look like a genius in the starts that followed. 
Yeah, he's he's he just keeps putting up good starts. I mean, so that's his fourth of the year, his first three. So he goes Yankees, Oakland, Houston. It's all six innings, six innings, six innings, zero and runs, two earned runs, two earned runs. In order to find the last time that this guy allowed more than two runs in a start, you have to go all the way back to early September of last year. And it wasn't even a bad start. It was five and two thirds at Yankee Stadium in a game they won and he allowed three. And then after that, it's a eight inning game against Tampa, the Rays. He only allowed one hit, probably the best start of his career. Six innings again against the Rays, two earned runs, uh, five and two thirds Minnesota, two earned runs, seven against Baltimore, one earned run, and there's all the starts this year. I mean, it's getting to a point now where after after the the Wednesday game, the shitty one where the bullpen allowed a whole bunch of runs and it was, you know, the series is at two to one, you see Manoa's name for the finale and you're like, they're going to win that one. And he pretty much single-handedly willed them to a victory. Yeah, like, I I mean, when you see a one nothing game, you automatically assume that a pitcher has done something great. And Manoa was exactly that. Like, the thing that jumps out to me is a young guy going up against a Red Sox team that is full of some pretty good hitters. I mean, they put up seven the, the, the game before, right? Like, these guys can hit when they get going. Xander Bogart's had an incredible series. Um, and he to get the seven strikeouts to only walk one batter as well against some experienced hitters like... It's just all around so impressive what this guy's been doing. And I think coming into the season, I was still a little hesitant because I'm a jaded sports fan who has been burned (laughs) by believing in the potential of a high end prospect too much. Right. There's been too many of instances in my, I suppose, short time because I'm relatively young where you buy into the hype, you love them and they flame out or they start hot and then it's uh, it's average from then on out. So coming into this year, I was kind of like, all right, Manoa was unreal last year. We all kind of penciled him into that number three spot in the rotation. And I was like, you know, he was so important for them last year. And like, if he takes a step back this year, like maybe that should be expected and not be a disappointment. It doesn't look like that's happening. It looks like this guy has found another level. I, I, yeah, I can't really think of another time in my Blue Jays fandom and my paying attention of baseball that a pitcher, a starting pitcher has just come up and been consistently good. Like how many bad starts has Manoa ever had? Like I'm looking at his stuff from last year and he had, you know, there was one against the nationals. He went three innings, allowed six runs, one against the Orioles, the one where he got kicked out and a few other short starts. But I mean, the most runs this guy's ever allowed in a game is six. And he has significantly more amazing games. And I'm just trying to think like who else came up and was this good? Like, you know, Aaron Sanchez came up and he was great out of the pen, but that's different than coming up and starting and just being good. Like there's been no hiccups like Marcus Stroman. He had a little bit of a hiccup, went back down, came up and then he was great. You know, it's just, you never see this. It's like, um, it's just, it's just something that really never happens. It's, but then you also think like, you know, they drafted Manoa high. He was like, what, the 10th, 11th, 12th overall pick. I think, yeah, 11th overall. So, I mean, he is a, a really highly touted prospect. So it, I guess they just finally struck gold on somebody. Yeah. And uh, like huh, they struck gold on him and it is, you know, we talked about being disappointed in, in prospects that get overhyped like that. Right. And, and you can look down the roster a little bit to, to a guy like Nate Pearson is someone who maybe didn't or isn't working out yet. Not at all. I do not mean to at all imply that he's not going to work out in the future, but right now you would be feeling disappointed about a guy like Pearson with Manoa. The other stunning thing is just how quickly he fired up the ranks, right? Like remember when they called him up to make that first start at Yankee stadium. And there was a lot of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you're doing this too quick. You're going to ruin them. Like look at Pearson, all that stuff. And just shows that maybe the the scouts and the staff who see this guy day in and day out, they saw something in this guy and they were bang on with what they saw. 
there's another really wild thing I'm just looking at right now on this baseball reference page is that I just said that he was a really highly touted prospect, but now I'm going back. I don't think he actually really was because I'm looking at, he's only appeared on one major prospect ranking top 100 list. And that was baseball prospectus at number 83 overall going into 2020. So going into 2021, when he made his debut, he wasn't even ranked as a top 100 prospect. So just going into that a little bit, though, like he spent such a little amount of time in the minors, right? Yeah, it was. So he, he was drafted out of West Virginia. It was it was he was he had pitched three seasons in college. Yeah. And then he jumped right to low A Vancouver and he pitched six starts. And then it was the COVID year 2020. So no starts. And then 2021 in Buffalo, three starts and then he's up. So it's all told nine professional starts in the minors, low A to triple A. The reason, he, the reason he may have not been on those lists, though, is because he never had time to like accumulate yeah. hype in the minors. Right? Like, that's what I mean. He just shot up so quick. Yeah, because the COVID year, right? That's what made everything yeah. weird is you had guys at the alt site. And it's like, well, geez, no one can report on what he was executing at the alt site. Maybe he was, you know, throwing nasty pitches and sim games and striking out 26 year olds. But you never hear about that. Yeah which is kind of a shame. It would have been interesting to see like video or something of what guys were up to at the outside. Cause it seemed kind of cool, honestly. Yeah. And just like what a weird time as well to look back <laughs> on, like just so messed up. Um, but we've gone six minutes on our first up and uh, fitting because Alec Manoa wears the number six on his back. So we will Big move man. on to a more veteran pitcher who was in my opinion, just as good. Kevin Gosman goes six innings, four hits, one run, not even an earned run, and strikes out nine Red Sox. The best tweet I saw, and in true BGN radio fashion, I will not remember who sent it, even though I think I liked it. Um, the, the joke was, what are the Red Sox going to get Kevin Gosman for Father's Day, right? That was me. Ah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Great tweet, Coomsey. Thank you. Um, that, was, uh, that was in the Blue Juice Nation account, not my personal. So. Well, there you go. Um, our own podcast account sent it out, and I had no idea. I just laugh at the joke and continue living my life. Um, but Gosman was great for the second time in like seven days against the Red Sox. He was, yeah. And the other really wild thing about this is, you know, he's pitching so well, but, you know, a lot of pitchers are pitching really well right now. It seems like somewhat surprisingly, the I don't know if this is a thing with the short spring or there's a heavier ball or whatever's going on. A lot of pitches are doing really well right now. You've kind of thought we said earlier, Oh geez, the pitchers are all going to struggle because the short string or the short spring, but Kevin Gosman hasn't allowed a home run or walk. So he set a blue Jays all time record in terms of what was it? Consecutive plate appearances to start the season without issuing a walk. Yeah. It was previously owned by, I think Pat Hankin in 2001, 2002, something like that. And he, uh, I think, went 91 or 90, 91 or 92 straight plate appearances without walking a guy. And it's, yeah, it's just wild. Like, those are two things that you really like to see. He's, like, balls just staying in the ballparks, not walking anybody, just looks completely in control. Like, whenever even there's a full count, it's like, well, Kevin Gosman's obviously going to come in here and throw some breaking pitch inside the zone and strike this guy out. It's like an automatic. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Just the word control is what is what jumps out to me is like this. There's no panic when this guy's on the bump, right? Like he, he even looks just like so calm and collected when he's out there. And uh, I, I love that. I think it's a great mix and to throw into this rotation. Um, I would even give a little honorable mention as we wrap up the second down to Jose Barrios, who I thought was good. You know, his stat line wasn't as sexy, but he still managed to pitch seven innings. And there was some hard contact mixed in there and a good amount of it. Like some of the outs he maybe didn't 
and I'm using air quotes, but he didn't maybe deserve, but he found a way to grind his way to seven innings. And right now it's clear Barrios doesn't have his a level stuff, but he's finding a way to grind late in starts. And I find that at least encouraging from that perspective. Yeah. If you look at all the pitchers actually from Toronto in this series, it was Brios does seven innings. Yeah. Um, Gosman only does six, only does six, which is yeah, kind of funny. What's I say only doing? because I say only because in that game in yeah. Boston the previous week, he did eight and I think he could have done nine. But, um, and then you also have Ross Stripling was pretty good too. It was five innings, one earned run. Struck out Manoa seven? For, what? Yeah, he struck out seven guys. And then uh, Manoa goes seven. So it's just like, this is exactly what the Jays needed because their bullpen's been so, so, so worked that they got good starts from all four other guys. That's fantastic. And it's the Red Sox too. Like you said, they're a pretty good hitting team. They have a good veteran lineup. Yeah. They're not easy to face. No, not at all. Like when you roll through and you just look at what they roll out there from kind of one through five, even even deeper than that. Like, yeah, that's that's a lineup that should should honestly be better than it is right now. And this week, the Jays just kind of shut them down for the most part. Our third up is, I mean, a series defining moment and the pitching overshadowed the bats, which is why we put it as our third up. But two strikes, bottom of the ninth. George Springer sends a two run shot to what I think is now George Springer's spot. It feels like whenever this guy hits a big bomb, it is right underneath that Budweiser sign out in left center, right? Like he, he almost picks that spot. It's the same spot he went to when he hit that big dinger last year off Matt Barnes, but Springer goes yard. This guy's got a flair for the dramatic. The bats have not been great, but that was a great moment for the blue Jays to have that ninth inning rally. It's really funny. Springer's only, so he's had the one full season in which he played less than half of the season. And he's been healthy pretty much for the whole this year so far. So he hasn't played that many games. He's played 96 games of the J all told. Yeah. And he already has um, 26 home runs as a J. And it feels like a lot of those are like very dramatic, memorable home runs. Like you said, you had the one against the Sox last year in that super key game. And he does it against Boston again this year. And then uh, somebody posted the clip of um, the Red Sox call, the broadcast, the away feed. And the way they talked about it is they were just like, the Blue Jays are so good in this stadium. It just feels automatic. It felt like, and I'm paraphrasing, this isn't what they said word for word. They said, just given the energy and the atmosphere that the Jays have in Toronto, it felt like this kind of moment was just coming. And they're probably still scarred from last season when they made their first appearance in Toronto in um, early mid-ish August. And Springer hits that huge home run in that big comeback game. And again, they're, they're not wrong. Like even when they blew that lead in that game, it was like, ah, you know, Boston's relievers are pretty shit. Like the Jays have they can come back. They've already done this like six times this year. <laughs> like yeah. they just keep doing it. It's it's great to see that they just don't quit. And I like that from the Red Sox broadcast too. Like it did. I had that feeling sitting there. I was like, mm-hmm. man, the tying runs at the dish and the top of this order is coming up. Like you just kind of had that feeling that something special could happen. And also in that game, Shout out to the guys that lower down too. like the offense is not where it needs to be right now. Um, but that rally, that Springer home run only ties the game. If Santiago Espinal doubles and Raimel Tapia is on base as well, right? Like that all only happens if the bottom of the lineup comes through and they've gotten some really interesting little chunks of contributions from different guys. It always seems to be Espinal. He always seems to be involved with their comebacks. Yeah. <laughs> he has the uh, he uh, he just has that kind of clutch gene. He feels like if the Jays go on a playoff run this year, he's going to be their Fernando Pisani <laughs> for all of our for all of our many Edmonton listeners. Yes, a very <laughs> we are, niche comment. We are we are Edmonton's Blue Chief podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
the other, I mean, we're, we're rattling on with a lot of ups here, but it was a feel good series. You take three Good or four times. from a division rival. Uh, the ghost gate, Kato, Kato. Oh, fuck. I knew I would mess it up the second. I was literally practicing it before the show. But that was a great moment to see him slap that double. And then, like, even the Jays posted the video after of, like, Vladdy and Bo all giving him his hug and, like, giving him his love. That was really, really neat. Yeah, the Jays are a really likable team. And you watch videos like that and you're just like, damn, like, the vibe and the energy that they've produced in that team is so positive. Yeah. And, I mean, look, like, I love the 2015 team as much as anybody like that will probably always be my favorite Jays team just because, you know, I was, I was a bit younger at the time and it was the first time they were good. So they'll always have a place in my heart, but they never had that kind of energy, right? Like they were more cocky than lovable. Yeah. They were fun. Like they, I I really enjoyed their swagger. They had guys that pissed other guys off. Like, you know, Jose Bautista, Josh Donaldson, Marcus Stroman love having those guys in your team. They rub, rub other teams the wrong way. And it's fun. But this team is so like, wildly endearing like i i really like look up and down the roster and i'm like geez who on this team can you not like like yeah. there's really nobody um, like, also if you don't follow ghost k on twitter you are missing out this it's hit after hit with this guy and uh he even did tweet out that he was holding back tears while uh, his teammates came and hugged him so a really really eight cool years moment. in the minors right was it was it eight <laughs> years in the minors he said yeah and the story that they shared for the home opener of how there's like the mini tradition. He's been in the minors so long where his parents will meet him for the end of spring training and then drive his car to wherever he's starting the season at whatever minor league site. Um, so his parents drove the car up from Florida to Buffalo and then he got to call them and be like, hey, you got to keep driving because like I made the major league team and I'm in Toronto. This it, He's had a ton of really good stories and seeing guys like that who grind it out and don't quit because like we know we talked to Eric Sabrowski on our on this show. We know how shitty it can be for minor league ball players, and for a guy to grind out that long and finally get rewarded, it's really, really cool. Oh, it's great. It's you. You can tell the team's really got like a magic essence when yeah. you find yourself just like falling in love with the narrative of like the 29th guy on the depth chart. Yeah, that's that's what you can tell the team's just like the team's cool as fuck. That's a great way to put it. Um, we do need to launch some new Blue Jays Nation gear over at nationgear.ca. So we've been spitballing a few ideas, but maybe yeah. uh, maybe something along the team being cool is uh, the way we go. <laughs> cool I have a couple. I, yeah, just cool as fuck on a shirt. Um, I have a couple of Bo Bichette ideas that I'll share with you uh, maybe tomorrow when we're having a few bevies at our staff party. Our Christmas party. Yeah, it's our Christmas party at the end of April. It's hilarious. Such a nation Five thing months to do. later. Um, <laughs> Let's go to the downs because, I mean, we do need to do that. It's a part of the show. Um, three out of four. It's really hard to nitpick this. And, I mean, in, in they, they scored six runs in the first two games each. Okay, that's good. The offense falls off a cliff in the last two when you have one run and one run. It's still not humming the way I maybe dreamt it would hum early on. No, there's some guys that just really haven't heated up just yet. Like Bo Bichette, his timing is just so off. It seems he's the weird thing is he's swinging through fastballs. He's missing pitches that last year he would have just ambushed and gone, you know, just launched his OPS right now. Five, five forty five. It kind of feels like, I think I said this in the last podcast, but it feels like he's coming up down. No two in each count. Matt Chapman's pretty cold right now. Six seventy five OPS, same kind of thing. It's just, you know, like, it's, it's weird. The one thing that I wanted to point out specifically is it feels like, and I think people have been pointing this out is that it seems the ball is heavier this year than it was before, because there was the one that, that, that Zach Collins said, I think it was in game three. Um, and he launched it like off the bat, just great launch angle, 
great exit velocity. It looks like the kind of ball that's going to go into the second deck of Rogers in, um, in right field. And it just dies on the warning track. Like it came down, like it was a bowling ball and it was just weird. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, the Jays are struggling right now because the ball is different. I don't know. Like other, other guys are hitting. So you can't really, it's all the same ball. Right. But it just, it's weird. Right. Like I, it is, you've noticed that too. That just seems like balls are dying. And there's been a bunch of issues with that too. Like I, or with, the balls and pitchers and whatnot. Cause Chris Bassett of the Mets has been, he went on a bit of a tirade the other day about the hit by pitch problem that's going on right now and how that's, yeah, I think he was blaming it on the ball as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, I, the ball may be a part of it, but still you'd love to see the Jays kind of grind through and, and get this offense going to the elite level. Cause it's been good. And we talked about this on the last show. It's been good and fine, but it hasn't been elite. Like we maybe dreamt of. So um, look to keep that going. Chapman. Yeah. He's one of those guys that needs to needs to get the bat rolling a little. I just searched on Twitter um, in order to look for the tweet that I was looking for, because somebody had a launch angle thing for the Collins hit. And I just searched heavy ball. It probably got good the results. Res- the results weren't positive. Ah. There's, there's an image here. Nah. Um, eh. Do you want me, do you want me to explain it? Nah, I think good, yeah, I can explain it. Okay. There's a, <laughs> what appears to be kind of like an anime esque drawing of a Fox. That's not what I was looking for. That's not the information that I was looking for in regards to Zach Collins, hard hit ball. So. Nope. <laughs> I'm happy we explained it though. I'm happy That's a really it. good t-shirt idea from Blue Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the second cool. down we have uh, the bullpen. I, I'm not as upset with the way that went because I mean, you won a one nothing game to close out the series and Simber and Romano were good, but like, you know, they did get a great start out of Ross stripling and then the bullpen allowed six runs in the back half of that game. So I'll phrase it this way. Are you concerned about the bullpen or is it just a blip? Not really. It's like you in the third game, you kind of look at the guys that got lit up and you're like, okay, Trent Thornton got lit up. Uh, Julian Merriweather, the new guy Vasquez got lit up. And it's like, you know, these are kind of the guys you expect to maybe go out and have not a great game. I don't know if I'd put Merriweather on that list. I think the expectations are a bit higher, but at this point, you know, like Vasquez is the guy that's coming up to replace Baraki after he gets hurt. That's like your what number three, four left in your depth chart. And then Trent Thornton's kind of a long guy. You know, he's had a few good outings, but it's kind of like fool me twice at this point. He was pretty good for a minute there last year. And then he started to get some high leverage spots and wasn't very good all of a sudden. So eh, I'm not going to worry about the depth guys having a hard time. The fact of the matter is like, you know, look at the final game, Adam Simber and Jordan Romano just slammed the door right after Manoa. And that's what you want to see, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I'm not worried about it either. I saw like there were people as Twitter does Matt Chapman's not a fit in this lineup. This isn't going to work. I knew it wasn't going to work. And it's like, holy smokes, we are like a month into this. Like maybe we pump the brakes a little bit. What's Um, the logic? I think the logic was that he's a right-hander who strikes out a lot. And Well, I can name you another right-hander who strikes out a lot, who currently has a 457 OPS for the Texas Rangers. Is it Marcus Semien? Yes. He's off to a slow start as well, and he's a fantastic player, and he's going to bounce back, and so is Chapman. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and people same thing with the bullpen they're like oh same day here comes the bullpen but like you said the big guns are not struggling it's oh. some dude they called up from triple a a couple days ago that's struggling and trent thornton who like quite frankly it was stunning that he hasn't struggled in every time he's come out you know like what are we doing here if like that's what we're deciding to complain about like it's a long season folks and i think maybe the hype 
of the off season got some people thinking that they were going to go 150 and 12 this season, but like there's going to be chunks that don't look good. And they just took three or four from the Red Sox. So let's not complain too much about this. Uh, The last one we had written as a down, but it is not a down. Watching Vladdy go down is (laughs) oh, (laughs) watching Vladdy go down is never a good thing to see. It's concerning when he's hobbling around and and laying on the turf. But Charlie Montoyo saying today after the game, quote, he should be fine for tomorrow. And he added that Vladdy was available to pinch hit in the series finale against Boston. Sounds like they were just being cautious. And I like that approach. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, Vladdy played, what, 161 games last year? Did he appear in all 162? I think Semyon was in all 162. Uh, yeah, Vladdy was, was close. 161, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's perfectly fine to give him a day off. It is a marathon. They have other depth guys who can step in. Like, you know, it was, to be fair, like a pretty ugly lineup today. Yeah. <laughs> Tapia's batting cleanup. You're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you can sit Vladdy every once in a while. You don't want to run him into the ground. You don't want him, you don't want him, yep. you know, injuring himself in April. That would be a nightmare. You sit Vladdy for a game or two in April so that he doesn't have to sit for a month with a foot injury that lingers throughout the year. Right. Like, I, yeah, oh. exactly. Um, that's going to do it. Oh, sorry. What? I was just saying gross. I was just visualizing not new. Yeah. My back on wood. I don't have any. Um, Let's move on from three what up, three down. What's happening with us today? So many, so many weird innuendos. We're talking about Vladdy going down. We're talking about oh. heavy balls. We're talking about getting wood. We're, 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 it's just because you're going to see me tomorrow. You're excited. And you had three beers on a plane seven hours ago. So you're still yeah. riding that high. I'm feeling a little goofy. <laughs> okay. Let's wrap up with our look ahead brought to you by points bet Canada. The Jays getting set for a weekend set at the dome against the Houston Astros. If you, don't remember from the 3000 commercials you've seen. It's Bo Bichette bobblehead night on Friday. Um, points about Canada. They have the Jays as favorites as it's Kikuchi versus Urquidy in the first game. And I think Jose I know that. Yes. Uh, the yes, Jays minus 121 on the money line plus 150 on the run line. Their team total is set at four runs. I like taking the over on that team total. They got two in six in five and two thirds off Urquidy. The last time they faced them, I think they can run up a little bit more now that they're back at the dome. So I like that team total over uh, Coombs. You had this written down. Kikuchi, Barrios, Gosman is the three. I think that's the three. And Berlander is pitching tonight for nice. Houston and Texas. They've they lost the first game of this four game set and then they won the next two. And now this is them going for the four game series win, just like we just like the Jays. So we're not going to see Berlander. Perfect. Uh, it will be Urquidy. And then the second game is going to be Luis Garcia and his incredibly funky windup. Like if you want to talk about, you know, ways to speed up baseball, don't let Garcia pitch like that because his windup takes like 20 seconds every time he delivers it. Um, Anyways, and then it's Valdez, uh, Framber Valdez getting the third game of the series. So, yeah, Jays avoiding Verlander this weekend Eh? at the Dome bobblehead night. Good vibes. Yeah, I, I worry about Verlander in Toronto. I wasn't so worried in Houston because, you know, both of his no-hitters are in Toronto. Yeah. So good, good we're avoiding that inevitability. But no, this is a, you know, the Jays just beat Houston two or three in Houston. So that's kind of the expectation again. They got the job done once and you have... Kikuchi's been a, a, a bit of an enigma. I'm still not really sure what to expect from him when he comes out. I yeah. I haven't really been super impressed thus far, but you know, there's upside there. I still think back about that one when he was in Seattle and they came in what like last May or last June or something, he just carved the Jays up. And I'm like, well, I would love to see that guy, but maybe uh, anyways, we will. That, 
after that, they have Barrios and Gosman going. So you're like, you know, Gosman's pitching. He's going to strike out 11 guys and walk nobody. And, and like, that's uh, an automatic. The, the dinner, or it's at a bar, but the dinner portion of our party tomorrow night starts at five. And that's five mountain, which means we can watch the Jays game together, Cam. Yeah, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. All right. My voice is given out on me and I want to go watch the Toronto Raptors for us the seventh game. So, uh, Coombsy, you enjoy uh, the rest of your night in Edmonton and we'll chat soon. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Shout out to uh, our friends at DoorDash and at PointsBet Canada. This has been another episode of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Enjoy the series. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.